This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, guys. Welcome back. If you have been following along, with the cottage renovation in Texas, you know that I have been working on our kitchen nonstop. We've been working on the renovation in the kitchen as a whole for several months now. And this last month, I really dove in and I was like, I'm finishing this kitchen. I am getting it done. I'm doing all the little finishing touches that need to be made. I'm finishing the cabinet doors. I'm giving myself, you know, two weeks to do it. And I'm just tackling it because I was really doing it for me. I really wanted to finish it <laughs> and just move on from it. But a kitchen is the hardest and most tedious and project heavy room in a renovation and I knew that, but we had been working on it for nine months, you know, like I, I'd been doing it for a long time, along with other projects. So I dove in and over the last two weeks specifically, uh, I built 42 cabinet fronts from scratch, from cutting the wood to gluing them together, clamping them, sanding them down, putting finishing trim, painting them three times with primer and paint and sanding them down and making the finish perfect putting hinges on them, installing all of the doors, building drawer inserts for the drawers along the bottom cabinetry so that the fronts had something to attach to and it could function. And I would wake up early in the morning. I would start working, no makeup, hair pulled back. I would start working and I wouldn't stop until the moon had gone above the house. I knew that if the moon was like directly above the house and I couldn't see it anymore. I knew it was time to stop because I wouldn't have had enough sleep and I wouldn't be able to uh, start again in the morning. So around, I guess that would have been around like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I would wake up the next morning and I would do it all over again. And I worked on the video editing it so that you guys could see the final, ep the final episode. I mean, it's, it's 90, 98% done, I'd say. There's still going to be one more episode with one more cabinet I need to build and some organization stuff, but it's to the point where the vision is there and you can really see my vision come to life. And in this kitchen, I have made every tiny every big, every, every decision, every little thing I have decided on. And I have done everything with my own two hands, DIYs, all of it. And I've had help, obviously amazing help from my family along the way in different areas. Um, my mom, my dad, Romeo, I mean, Kinsley, Kinsley's always, always there. And when I edited the video, and I shared it with you guys when I'm filming this. It was just yesterday that I actually clicked publish. And you guys saw the final episode of us turning an old bathroom into a beautiful kitchen that I drummed up in my head. I cried. I did. I, I think it all hit me that I never thought in my life that I could actually say I built a kitchen with my own two hands. And 
that was such a like moment for me, I feel like, because I never thought I would be able to say that. And now that I am able to say that, I'm so proud that I accomplished something like that in my life and that I filmed it all so that I could show my kids one day or you know what I mean like there was just something about it just hit me in that moment I'm although also I'm incredibly tired and my muscles are fatigued I'm sore I need to sleep for a week so I'm tired too but I think it hit me in a different way and it just made me so proud and and feel really like accomplished for myself and I really wanted to finish the kitchen for myself because we had been working on it for so long and I had been doing so many DIY projects out. You know how you just kind of get the itch that you want a project to be done. I want to wrap this up. I want to move on. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want to think about the kitchen being unfinished anymore or little things that I need to do. I, just, I want it done. So I was really doing it for myself and I, I put this deadline on it and I wasn't quite able to finish everything I wanted, but ugh, are we a heck of a lot closer to having a finished kitchen now versus a month ago? Yes. And it will be finished. There are such small things that need to be done, but I'm very, very proud. So I hope you guys enjoyed the process and actually seeing it, you know, come to life. And it got me thinking, now that I have this experience of purchasing this cottage a little over two years ago to DIYing so much of it myself, I mean, 95% of it was, was DIY. I didn't know going into the cottage, buying it, uh, to, you know, that it would be this. I didn't know that I would, you know, step on the property and be like, yeah, I'm going to do all of this stuff. And it really wasn't like that. I think there are a couple of reasons why I decided to DIY so much and it, and I'll get into them and I'll, it got me thinking like now that I've done that and I've done that cottage and I've done so much of it DIY, how much and what would I DIY again? Or what would I never DIY again? What would I, is just, what's not worth it and what is? And it got me thinking so much this morning that I literally got my notebook and I wrote notes. Like I really, like I just, it, it kind of like sparked something in me and I was like, okay, what would I do again and what wouldn't I? Because we obviously have now purchased an, another property uh, in California that I'm sitting in right now. So if you're watching on the YouTube channel, this is where I'm currently sitting. And I started thinking about this house and, and what I would and wouldn't tackle again. And yeah, that's, that's where I was at. I was like, okay, let me make a list. Let me, let me figure it out. So going back, we, when we bought the cottage and I definitely, I, I come from a family. My, my parents have built homes like you've heard here on the podcast. I've had my mom on here before and we've talked about the homes that they've built and most of their homes, if not all of their homes have been new builds and they've hired contractors. Gosh, if you heard last week, we shared some horror stories about hiring contractors. Um, so they, a lot of their work was contractor work. It wasn't something that they did DIY style or at some they did some projects, but where mine is only 10% hired out, theirs is, you know, 90% hired out. So it's, it's a completely different project that I took on with this house accidentally or not knowingly. 
Uh, so I think if you have a personality like mine where I love to figure out how things are made, I love to uh, do things with my hands. I find it very therapeutic. I love projects. I love... I have patience for it too. I truly now really the 42 cabinet doors that I just accomplished really tested my patience. Like really, I think it would have tested anyone's patience because it just was so monotonous and it was the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again with really no room for error. Like you had to be on and specific about the measurements and everything. So it really tested my patience, but overall I have lots of patience for projects and I really enjoy it. Another thing that I've realized about myself, I'm, I've always been a very in, extroverted introvert. I am very introverted, truly. I'm a homebody. I'm a cancer, if you're into astrology, you know. I'm a cancer. I love to be at home. I love to be with just me, my dog, and my mom, or me, me my dog. I, I love my alone time. That's why I love projects that it's just me and my project. Um, so when I think about a project or something that needs to be done at the house, I don't want to pick up the phone and call somebody to do it. I'm like, Oh, maybe I could just do it myself. <laughs> maybe I could uh, Google it and let me try it first. And then if I like totally can't, I'll call someone, you know? So I think that mentality and me being like that has really led me to do a lot more DIY projects than I think the average person, because I just don't want someone to come over come to my house. But maybe you're like me too and um, you would rather try and figure something out on your own or you're totally a person that would be like, I'm not going to try and figure that out. I'm just going to call someone and have it handled, you know? So I feel like me loving DIY projects already, me loving how to figure out how things are done or made on my own. I, I love that stuff. And I don't want to call someone had kind of spawned this project of a cottage that I did. Like I didn't know stepping onto the property that or buying the property that I would be doing all of this stuff DIY style. But here we are two years later and I have literally DIY'd 95% of the property, 90 to 95% of the property myself. So it got me thinking, what would I do again? And what wouldn't, you know, what, what wouldn't I DIY again? And so I really started from the beginning and the, when we walked onto the property, I was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to keep all the character that I loved so much that, which is the driving factor of why we bought that house in the first place all the beadboard and the wainscoting detail, the wooden details, the hardware, the doors, and me being a person that's pretty thrifty, I'd say. Pretty thrifty. I'm very thrifty. Um, I'm very budget conscious. I don't see the point in having to go and buy something new when I have something that's perfectly good that maybe just needs a coat of paint that I can reuse. So I'm, I'm very um, a person that would rather reuse and update versus throw away and buy new. So when walking onto the property, I drew a floor plan. I figured out how we could salvage and save as much as possible, but reimagine into the house. Um, and then also I didn't want, as much as I love the character of an, a home that was built in 1910, I didn't want to live like I was in 1910. And the floor plan as it was, was very... Um, compartmentalized. It was very closed off and it made the rooms feel a lot smaller. 
And I just saw it not working for our family. So I wanted to reimagine it, not ruin, reimagine. So we took down and demoed down four walls. Two were ones that were creating the bathroom. There was only a one bathroom house. Uh, So it was a very weird bathroom too. There were two walls that were made though. So that is now where our kitchen sits. So we changed, we turned a bathroom into a kitchen. So we took those two down and then we took down, I'd say one and a half walls in the entryway that was uh, kind of creating the foyer. So it created this open T-shape that isn't super open, but it's a lot more open than it used to be. And it's in the front of the house. Uh, So that was my first step. It's like, how could I take what was there in terms of material and reuse all the doors that were original that were in the house are reused in the house. Every single one of them. They're just in a different place, except for the front door. The front door stayed. (laughs) Uh, So how could we reuse material and how could we reimagine the space and the floor plan to make it work for our family? And then I was like, okay, now what do I do? You know? So then it became, well, we've got to take off these weird additional rooms that they had put onto the house. There was a falling down sleeping porch. There was a laundry room. There was a back patio thing. There was a kitchen uh, that I actually kept because it's now our guest bathroom. We use the kind of plumbing holes and things. So we needed a demo. We were in demo stage. So let's start there. We demoed everything ourselves because... I wanted to save everything. I wanted to save every piece of wainscoting, every piece of beadboard, every hardware, even the studs, the the two by fours that are in the walls. I saved the wallpaper that was underneath drywall that had been put up a hundred years ago. I saved. And I think if I, I know if I had hired someone to come in I asked my contractor, we did end up getting a contractor for some things, which I'll get into. Um, But I asked my contractor, how much would it have cost to have all of this demoed for us? You know, and he said it was, it would be around, you know, 15 to 20 grand, I think it was uh, to have it demoed, but I wouldn't have been able to save everything because the odds of finding someone that would have taken the care that I did taking off each beadboard one by one, which is tongue and groove that has three nails and saving it, taking out the nails and being able to reuse them for different projects and keeping everything intact. All the windows we took out individually and saved and repurposed back into the house. Someone that would have come in, a team that would have come in and demoed, granted it would have probably only taken them like two days and it took us like six months (laughs) because we literally saved everything. And it was just me at times or me and Romeo or me and my dad. Um, and we were saving as much as we could. We just wouldn't have had that if we hired it out. So looking forward, if I had another property that had tons of potential in the materials and it would be worth it for me to do it myself and save so many of the things, I would 100% demo again myself. 
because I would run the risk of ruining it and then having to buy it all again. We saved on budget long term by having all of this material at our disposal that was we already paid for. We already bought it with the house. If there was a situation where there was nothing to be saved and we just needed something demoed and taken out, then I would hire it out. So I guess that's a yes and a no question to demo. Would I do demo again? Yes, if it was worth it. <laughs> no, if it wasn't. Once we had demoed off everything off the house that we needed to and we had saved everything and I had stored everything away and um, we got to a point where we had removed uh, about eight to 900 square feet of rooms off the house. Well, now we were down to a house that's, you know, it started as a 1,680 square foot home, was now under a thousand square feet. And I didn't want a thousand square foot home. You know, we had plenty of property so we could afford to add on to it. So then we got into what we called the addition stage. So it was literally building an addition onto the house building it in the place that I had removed all of those rooms that were really rotting away and just weren't going to cut it. Uh, so we moved into a phase of we had lots of things that we didn't DIY, if that makes sense. So we needed a contractor that knew subcontractors that would come on and come to the property and build it to a certain stage. So we started with the foundation the original 1910 house is um, on a foundation called, that's called Pier and Beams. And there's a crawl space underneath the house. The house sits about two foot off the ground. And you can literally look under there and see the piers, which are coming up from the ground to the bottom of the house, and the beams that run horizontally through the house uh, underneath the flooring and stuff. And you can see them. And there are a couple of reasons why the house is on a Pier and Beam foundation. One is because it's actually in a flood zone. We are in the 500-year flood zone, not the 100-year flood zone. Uh, so we're a little further from a nearby creek. And we're a little safer from it. There are some of the homes in our area that are on the creek that sit much higher than ours. So their piers are much taller. Uh, so it helped the water to pass through underneath the house. It protected the house, so to speak. Um and that's just common in the area. It was common for all of those homes there to be built on a pier and beam home. Now we've made a lot of improvements just in like, you know, hum as humans uh, in, and con construction that we actually did our addition out of concrete. Now going into that, I was like, I am not going to be pouring a concrete slab. You know, like I'm not going to be pouring a concrete foundation myself. So I knew I needed to hire tradesmen for that because there is like, bar uh, uh, what are they called now I'm blanking because that's not something that I, I needed to do um but there are there's metal down there there's what is that called not wrought iron I mean it is iron but it's the crossbars and the oh my gosh I'm blanking it'll come to me it's at some point when I'm talking to you guys there's bags of base and they needed tools and they framed it all out and the shape that I had designed. And um, so they, we hired out the foundation. They came and the big truck of concrete. I think we needed four loads of concrete, uh, four truckloads of concrete. It had this huge crane that went up in the sky, like four stories high. And it poured concrete into this frame that they had built to the shape of the house that I had designed. So we hired that out. 
Then once we had that, we had the foundation was done and it cured, we then needed to build walls. Now I have built walls and I would definitely recommend building an interior wall in your lifetime if you're like me, <laughs> because it was very empowering. When my mom and mom and I did it together, when we put up the first wall, granted it was in a 12 foot tall room, so it was a big wall, a tall wall that was a lot taller than us. God, when we put up that wall, I was so proud of that wall. Um, it's just really important for the walls that you do build to be very, very square and plumb and just perfectly square to the ceiling, to the floor, to each other. You have to make sure that if you make sure that that happens, you are golden. So now we have the foundation. So we, so we needed to build the walls. Uh, I did do some interior work. But in the addition, you kind of hire tradesmen to come out and do all of the framing work. So we did hire out all of the exterior and interior walls in the addition and some more structural headers to be done in the the main part of the house, the, the old part of the house. So it was just something that we had done. They made sure that the roof had proper weight loads and things. So I would definitely hire that out again. That would not be a DIY project to do. Then we got to the point where we needed, you know, exterior treatments. So we needed the exterior. We put siding on our house, which is wood, to match the old house. So we, I had the same profile special ordered so that it all looked like the same house. And even though it was new and it was an addition. So the siding needed to be put on the outside. The drywall needed to go on the inside because that's how America, and going back to the framework, in America, we build most of the homes here. Now there's every type of home, but most homes commonly are built with two by fours or what they call studs. And that's the framing work that I was referring to. Uh, so those are in the, that's in the center of the wall. Then your exterior treatment goes on the exterior of your wall. And on the inside you have drywall. Sometimes you have other treatments, uh, but more than often you're going to have drywall and then maybe a treatment on top of it. Let's say plaster, lime wash, just a, a coat of, you know, some kind of level of, of floating that they do on the drywall um, and your roof. So we were to that stage. So we needed something on the outside. We needed things on the inside and we needed the roof. And I'll get to electrical and plumbing in a minute. So the roofing, do I think I could have done it? Yes. Is there a danger factor involved? Yes. So would I hire it out? Yep. I wouldn't DIY the roof. Now in the cottage, we had a lighter weight material, which was metal. It was a metal roof because we were matching the old house, what was already there. Here in California, and you can have roofing materials made out of tons of different things. Uh, we have dimensional shingles here in, in um, California. And there's even um, materials that you can use that are a lot more heavy. So you could, you have the danger factor of being up so high and installing something, but you also have the, you know, weight factor. So you've got a lot of weight that you need to pull up onto the roof, install. So I wouldn't do roofing. The exterior siding, we would have done, I would have DIY'd myself because I could, and it, I would have done it better. And I actually did have to replace some of them. Um, because we were matching an old house, you know, when I just wanted that to be perfect and seamless and people just don't have the attention. Some people don't have the attention to detail that I have. So 
we actually hired the framers that did the interior and exterior walls in the addition. It was actually kind of a package deal. We just paid them to do the framing and they were also going to come back and do the siding on the outside of the house. So I don't know the breakdown for each one and we will get into the next episode. I do want to talk about budgeting and how much things cost us because I think that that's really valuable when you're building a house and it's all different. Everyone's Everyone in different areas is going to have different expenses and what things cost, but I feel like it's helpful. And I want to talk about that, but I don't know the breakdown between the two, but we just had them do the siding, but would I DIY it? Yes. If it was, you know, just with the wood, like we had hundred percent. And I did do a lot of it myself anyways. The drywall, which is what goes on the inside. I thought, I thought I was actually going to do it myself. And then if you've ever been to the hardware store, and been to the section with drywall. Uh, the sheets are large. They're like, they, they're four by eight sheets. And they can be a quarter inch or three quarter inches thickness. Maybe even more or less than that, actually. I'm not sure. But commonly, it's a half inch to a three quarter inch. And they're very heavy. They're large and they're very heavy. So now, and the, and it actually needs drywall work, comes in different stages. You know, so the first stage is that all the drywall sheets are hung on the wall. Then it goes into the stage of taping, floating, and texture. So once the drywall sheets go up, there's kind of like a seam, you know, where the sheets meet together, there's a crack. So it's taped, what they call it. And it's literally drywall um, sheetrock tape that goes in the center to cover that crack. Then they float it, meaning they kind of, you know, think of it like a thick paint in a sense, but it's made out of the same material so that you don't see that seam in between all the sheets that they've put up. So it creates a really um, solid, complete finish on your wall. Then you go into finishing. Uh, so in the cottage, we did a level five finish in the old part of the house in the front, which is the highest level of finish that you can do. Uh, and it's a very smooth finish. So because <laughs> drywall has so many stages and so many steps and the different textures and things, and then they also individually each sheet is so heavy, I would do smaller drywall projects like I did with the fireplace and some patching here and there. But in terms of putting drywall in an entire house, I would not DIY. So I would hire that out. I would save my muscles. I don't even know if I could lift that many sheets. I mean, there were stacks and stacks of them in the cottage. So I don't I don't think I could do the, the quantity, uh, but I would do smaller jobs. So basically now that we've have, we have the drywall on, we have the outside up, we have the roof on and the foundation, you're walking into now what I would call a white box. And there's no finishes. There's no character, there's no flooring, there's no trim, there's there's not there's none of the special stuff that really makes a house a home. You're walking into the white box and this is the point where I would DIY a lot. This is this is the stage where I really come into play. Um, because everything before that is very foundational. Um, it's just it's it's more work than it's worth. You need to hire it out. So now let's talk, I kind of skipped a step and I skipped plumbing and electrical. And if you are doing a, a renovation and your electrical, your electrical is good and what you may need is maybe a, a plug somewhere 
or light fixtures hung or things, uh, recess lights put in, you know, when you already have the wiring, you have something to go off of. I would 100% do the electrical work that's safe to do. Uh, I would 100% install a light fixture and I have, and I will continue to do that because I actually looked up on average how much it really is to hang a light fixture. And home guide says that it's between 125 to $300 per light. Home Depot said it's between 75 and $125. That totally depends on the size of the light, how many guys, how high you're putting it you know, things like that. So if it's this huge chandelier in your entryway and you can't lift it on your own, and but you could get a few people to help, I would still do it, but making sure that it's going to be safe, you know, but if you're installing like most of us, you know, some pendant lights over your island or a light fixture over your mirror in your bathroom, 100% do it yourself. Make sure the electric, the electricity is off. Turn off your breaker at the source, like at the, at the breaker box turn it off, make sure you don't shock yourself and install it. It is very simple. You put black to black and white to white and you're ground in and it's that easy. The same with a updating a light switch or a plug. It's the same thing. It's just a different little mechanism. It's not a light fixture. It's a little plug. So I've definitely done my fair share of finishing electrical, like finish finishes electrical. Um, in terms of wiring your whole house with electrical wire, doing things with the meter, putting in a breaker, I personally wouldn't DIY that stuff and I probably couldn't in terms of code. It there's there's more layers. So hire out the that type of electrical work and do the finishes on your own. Save the money and install your light fixtures but be safe and turn off the electrical. In terms of plumbing, you know, with your water lines being, you know, this is all like foundational stuff before we get to the pretty stuff. So I'm kind of trying to go through it quickly. But with your water, your water lines, um, if you need to have all of that run, if you need your drainage system built up and things like that, I would definitely hire out the the that type of stuff. But when it gets to installing a sink, if you guys followed along just when we've had this California home, the first thing I wanted to do was swap out our sink in the kitchen because I didn't like it. I did it myself. I took out the old sink. I took apart the lines, the water lines. I turned off the water. I uh, dropped the new sink in. I put the new faucet in. It is very doable. I will continue to do that because that can be really costly to have someone come out and just replace your sink or even just changing out your faucet on something. If you've got your water lines there and you can turn off the water and do it yourself, all you really have to remember is that you need everything really tight. Make sure that you screw everything really tight so that there's no leaks for water and you're golden. Like that I would totally do. The drainage in your whole house and running water lines through your whole house is n water lines in your whole house is not something I would do. So I would do some, I wouldn't do others. But now that we've talked about all of that, the foundational, the roofing, the the drywall, the electrical, and the plumbing, now we're to that stage where I would DIY quite a lot. And one thing I think, if you could not DIY anything else in your house, but this one thing, you will save a lot of money. And that is painting, painting your walls. 
it's expensive. If you've ever gotten a quote to paint a room or even your whole house, I mean, I'm talking interior and exterior. I paint. I don't hire any paint out. I invested in a good paint sprayer that cost me like $250. I And I tested quite a few. So I will leave my recommendation in the YouTube video. I will link it for you. It has gotten me through so many projects. I've painted our entire exterior of the cottage. I've painted every room, including trim, walls, ceilings, projects. I've used it for everything. I invested in a good paint sprayer. I invest in good quality paint that's probably going to cost you $60 to $70 a gallon. And I paint myself. And I've gotten really, really good at it. And it doesn't matter if you're going to be spraying the paint or using a traditional roller and an extension rod and painting the walls yourself. Learn how to paint and paint yourself because it can be so expensive and you're probably going to be able to do it better than others. So the average cost, and when I looked this up, I was shocked because I knew it was expensive, but I've never hired this out. Average cost to paint an interior room, including the trim, the ceiling, and the walls, all three, because that's normally what you need to paint if you're starting with a white box, is $4.69 a square foot. Now this is going to, this is just an average that I got on Google. Our living room, for instance, at the cottage is 16 foot wide by 26 foot deep because it includes the entryway. That means it's 416 square feet total. So you just multiply the two numbers together. That means that it would cost $1,951.04 for someone to paint our living room, which is bonkers. $2,000 for someone to come and paint when all I spent was I think I went through I went through at least two to three gallons of paint for that room because I painted everything, the trim, the ceiling, the walls, everything. And I needed primer. But still, even at $60 for each of the things, so $60, $120, let's call it $200 for paint, $250 for paint. And I invested in the paint sprayer that cost me, you know, if you average it out amongst all of the projects that I've been able to paint with my paint sprayer, nothing. <laughs> five bucks. You know what I mean? And yes, I did it myself, but it really doesn't take that long when you're spraying the paint or if you're doing it with a roller. 100%, if you don't DIY anything else, do me a favor and learn how to paint. And you can watch YouTube videos. You can watch me do it. Trust me, you will want to paint. Um, so Another thing that comes to mind that was somewhat time consuming that I 100, 100%, 100% would still do myself because I actually quite enjoyed it was tile, laying tile. And this could be tiling flooring, you know, like I tiled the floor in the bathroom that we haven't even worked on at the cottage, which was in a herringbone style. Laying tile and herringbone can get really costly for labor because it's a lot more time consuming and a, it takes a lot more precision than laying it like in a straight pattern or a brick pattern. You know, you could lay tiles in lots of different ways. So I did a herringbone there. I really enjoy the, you know, kind of tediousness and, and attention to detail that it took. Um, and I would 100% do it again because I don't think that it's a hard job. It's not like you have to lift heavy material. Uh, you can mix up your, you know, your what you stick it down with and your mortar and, and your grout. And it's, I, I really enjoy it. So I would definitely DIY anything tile related. 
including backsplashes. I did the backsplash in our kitchen that I just finished. It took me a night. I invested in something that you do have to, to get is something to cut the tile with. That I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy cutting tile because it, it's kind of like you wear, make sure you wear some kind of glove or something because it kind of cuts up your hands, you know, because the tiling is like porcelain and stuff or ceramic and it kind of creates these little bitty, almost feels like paper cuts. Um, so uh, you have to invest in something to cut it with. I learned the hard way that I was in, uh, renting this big machine to cut tile with and I would have to have it for the weekend and it would cost me, you know, every day. And I realized I went to Floor and Decor, which is where we got the majority of our tile for the cottage, um, that they sell little tabletop tile cutters for 60 bucks. And I bought one and I worked on it one night. I got it. It worked perfectly for that small tile that I was working with. I was able to do it inside right next to my project where I was installing it. I was able to make super exact cuts. I tiled our backsplash in a night and then was able to grout it the next day. And I did look up how much it could be, you know, like flooring labor of you know, to lay the floor just in labor and then you have to pay for the material is between seven and $19 a square foot. And it's even more costly for backsplashes. So it could be $23 to $35 a square foot. So they say for backsplashes and countertops. If you do the math, I, I didn't do the math on this one, but if you do the math, our, I needed like 40 square feet for just our backsplash in our kitchen. So multiply 40 by 23 and see how much it would have cost me for labor. Um, because I don't know. So I would definitely do that again. If you're, it's worth, if you have a small project in your house that needs, you want some tile and uh, you want to experiment with it, I would, I would definitely recommend it. Obviously when you're using tools like that, like saws and things, definitely be careful, but as with anything in a renovation, but I would definitely do tiling. Uh, something that I did do that took a really long time that I wouldn't recommend or do again personally was restoring floors. Now, we obviously bought a 110-year-old home at the time, 112, 113 years old now. It had original longleaf pine flooring. And some of it was covered with linoleum. Uh, some of it was painted. You know, they had done a lot through the decades to this floor. And it needed a lot of work, but I wanted to save it. And I wanted it to be rejuvenated and brought back to its original life. And we took it on ourselves. Romeo killed himself on this floor. This was one project that he must have spent months on because we had to pick up the linoleum and we had it tested. So definitely test things. If you're buying an older house, make sure you test for asbestos and lead to make sure it's going to be something for you to pick up safely. We did that. We were okay. We, we could do it ourselves. So that was great. We didn't have the extra costs that that wouldn't have involved. Uh, but he, literally both of us like picking at this floor and over time, we would just let it, like, we would walk away from it and come back to it over time, over time, over time. We just, like, finally got it up. And then we had to rent a multitude of equipment, heavy sanding equipment to really get the paint and the, the layers and get it smooth so that we could we could seal it and finish it. Uh, the equipment's really heavy. It's can be costly uh, depending on how long you keep it. Um, it definitely cost us over $1,000 dollars 
all all in because I think we needed three types of sanders, a drum sander, one of the plate, like larger plate sanders, one of the like the edging sanders, and they're all really heavy. Uh, so it did take a lot out of us. Um, we were restoring the entire old portion of the house. So we're talking about 900 square feet of flooring. We also needed to lay new flooring, like salvage flooring that I got from another property so that we could, you know, patch some things that were damaged. Uh, so all in all, I don't know how much it would have cost us to redo, like for someone to come in and, and do that floor for us. But I don't think I would ever do it again. I think I would definitely get the quote and I definitely think that it would be worth paying to have it done because that killed us. That was really something that was just super intense. Laying new floor, way easier. Restoring old floor, not so easy. So I would definitely get the quote first and decide after. Maybe if it was like super expensive, I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll do it again. You know what I mean? But I would definitely get that quote. Something, uh, something that we recently went through in the kitchen renovation was obviously I built all of our cabinets, meaning the box itself, which they call a carcass, but I hate that. I don't like calling it that, but the box itself, the drawer inserts and the cabinet fronts, the cabinet, the, the drawer fronts, all of it. I did everything from scratch and cabinet doors and ca building cabinets is the most expensive thing that you can do in a kitchen. It's the most expensive, it's the highest ticket item. Now, there are such a range of materials that you can use for kitchen cabinets. There's such a range of quality and detail that you could use for your kitchen cabinets. You can get them ready made. You know, you can go to the hardware store and just buy it. Uh, buy, a, buy a box and buy the, the, with the cabinet door already on it and everything and put that, that could be like your lower tier of price point. You could do it semi-custom to where you buy the boxes, but then you have these specialty doors that are put on it. Uh, if you are going to do that, I would definitely recommend just putting the budget in the, the cabinet doors because that's what you're going to see. You're never going to see the cabinet itself like inside. Or you could do it on a whole nother luxury level of having really high-end cabinets made for you or make yourself that have lots of detail that almost look like furniture. And that's really what I was going for with the cottage. I wanted our cabinetry to look like furniture. And I think the only thing where I didn't go as, uh, as high-end was in the material of the wood that we used. I used for our boxes, I used cabinet-ready plywood. So it's a, a sandy plywood that it's like, it's like smooth, but it is plywood. It's not a solid wood, but like you could do maple and all these different materials, like high end materials that really add to the cost. So there's, there's a range. I'm saying that so that there's a range from like low end to high end. Think of it like cars. You can go low end or luxury. So Going into the process, I, I did know that I wanted to build the boxes for our cabinets because I'm like, it's a box. Like, of course I could build a box. I didn't know at first that I was also going to build our cabinet fronts from scratch. And with all the, the DIYs that I did for the kitchen, would I do the cabinets again? The boxes? Yes, 100%. 
It's super custom. It's exactly the measurement that I want. I get the exact design and size that I want. I would 100% do that again. Would I do the cabinet doors again? Now, I am freshly off this project, so I have a little bit of trauma. I'm a little traumatized. Can I do them again? Yes. Would I? And I think through the process of doing our cabinet doors, I've just realized that I am not a machine. I am not going to do things as perfect as a computer would do. And that's really what these companies use. They don't cut everything by hand. They're not assembling things by hand. A machine is making this and cutting them. And I would look into first finding a cabinet door that I could get custom. I, I think when I looked, it was going to cost us like $60 a, a door front. Well, now I made them for a lot cheaper than that. I just made it for the cost of the wood. So I probably made our cabinet doors if I had to guess, and I will be doing the math for the next episode, but 10 bucks, maybe, maybe $10. I saved a lot of money, but I'm not a machine and I'm not a computer. There is human error and it's handmade, so they're not perfect. And I am a perfectionist and I see a lot of imperfections in some things. Did I do a great job? Yes, I am proud of the work that I did. Could they have been perfect and machine made? Yeah. Did I not want, I didn't want that though, but would I have wanted them to be perfect? Yes. So I see these little flaws as you do in everything that's handmade. Um, but would I do it again? Maybe. But if you're not a perfectionist and you don't have an extreme attention to detail and the mental fortitude to have the patience to build as many cabinet fronts as you need, I would definitely not recommend a DIY on the cabinet doors. The cabinet boxes, 100%. DIY them, put them in, get them all installed, measure for the type of doors that you need, get them designed or buy, you know, get a, a, a design that's already made by a cab. I think it's cabinetdoors.com. I, I feel like that's where I looked and have them cut and made for exactly your cabinet and get them unfinished, paint them yourself, you know, and, and I would do it that way. Uh, because I, we have a friend, my, my parents have friends that actually got a quote for their kitchen. It also depends on how big your kitchen is, how many cabinets you need, how many cabinet doors you need. Uh, but they specifically got a quote from a very high end cabinet maker in the area and they quoted them a hundred thousand dollars for their cabinets. Now that's the doors, the the box, the inserts, all of the above. $100,000. And I can guarantee you in the next episode when we talk about budget, I did not pay <laughs> anywhere near that or even a fraction of that to DIY them. So get the quote. Uh, quotes are fun. Get the quote, see how much it would cost you, and then see how much, you know, kind of back up from there and see how much the materials would be. And go from there. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm coming off of the trauma of doing them on myself, but I feel like I definitely would do them again because I know how now and I can build on that experience and build on that knowledge and, and do them better the next time. Something that through a house, you get to a point where in the contractor work that you need a finishing contractor. And this is someone that comes in and does all the finishing work, the crown molding, the casings and the trim around the doors, um, the baseboards, you know, anything that's like the, the finishing touches, the, the, the on top stuff. Finishing carpenters are, is a specialty trade 
and it can be costly, very costly actually. And if you've ever tried to put up crown molding or cut crown molding in general, uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's just hard. It's hard to have your brain think in cutting angles. It's the angle of, of the crown molding, how it goes up. It's the angle that you need to cut it to join at the, the joint in the wall, you know, with the 45, cut at a 45 degree angle, but it's not 45. It's like 35.9 or something. It's, it's hard. And most miter saws will actually have a guide that you can actually use and, um, and cut. I have just now gotten to a point where I can do it well-ish. Not perfect like a finishing carpenter does, but pretty doggone good. Uh, so crown molding's difficult. All the rest of the trim work around door frames and baseboards that have singular cuts, really not, not a super crazy angle, 100% do yourself. Like go design your perfect one, find one that you love, install it yourself, get yourself a nail gun and DIY the finishes. Uh, I feel like trim, crown molding, baseboards, your casings around your windows and your doors are really what give, for me, life to a room. Like our home here in California doesn't have a lot of trim at all. It's the style of the house, but it does have some upstairs. So I can see myself definitely adding some trim to bring in that character because I, I love trim work a lot. I would definitely do the finishing touches, definitely DIY again. Uh, maybe I would hire out the crown molding just because it's so obnoxious to install, but you know. Um, another thing that we worked on uh, when we were in the addition stage, when we were adding the addition is insulation. Insulation is obviously what helps insulate your home so that the inside temperature can keep whatever you want it to be. So if it's really hot outside, you want to cool in your house and vice versa. If it's really cold out, you want it warm. And it really helps just like windows will help if they're more energy efficient. And in the addition, we did a spray foam open cell, I believe. I can't remember. There's open cell and cold closed cell. And I can't remember which is which now that I'm sitting here, but we did a, a, a spray foam and they come in with a truck and a tube and they literally spray it in and into the walls. Uh, so it's super, super insulated. In the old house, we we discovered that once we took off the kind of added drywall, that the way that they built houses then was a with a natural insulator, which was air. And so air was trapped between shiplap boards and the exterior siding. We didn't want to go through the whole house and remove all of the shiplap. So instead, we anywhere that we could, we added insulation ourselves. And that was just the packs of insulation that are rolled up that you buy from the hardware store. You wear gloves and a mask and you unroll them, you staple them to the two by fours that are in the wall and you have helped insulate your house. So we did as much as we possibly could. As much as we could reach, we added insulation. If we, if there was a hole there and we could reach it, we added insulation. So just help further keep our home as energy efficient as possible. So insulation is definitely easy. If you're rolling it out and stapling it, it's super easy. You just want to make sure that you're not breathing it or touching it because it has fiberglass in it. Uh, they make some other ones too that isn't fiberglass. So you can do your research, but that's definitely something that I would, would do again. Um, or 
invest in the spray foam because it, it is like, there's not a single crack that was missed. You know, it's all sprayed and super, super insulated and stuff. So I mentioned in, I mentioned in the beginning, we really went about this or I, my, my mentality, I really went about this cottage renovation and saving and reusing and reimagining everything that I possibly could. And with that became the doors. Uh, I might've mentioned, I might've mentioned earlier that I went through and I took pictures of each door that was in the house. I measured it and I made the plan, even the addition that we were adding, the new build. I made a plan to fit every existing door in the new plan. And so I paired some together to make double doors, like the ones that are going out to our back patio were two different doors at different places in the house, but they happened to be the same size. One just needed to be glass. So I put glass in it and it was able to be a double door. I just, I made that plan and we saved money on every door because we had already bought it with the purchase of the house. We had it, why not use it? And then we are installing them ourselves. So one of the things that I definitely would do and continue to do is install doors. It could be a little intimidating, like the, we are installing the frame, obviously, which is the, the casing around the door. Oh, no, just the frame. The casing is actually the trim that hides the frame from, you know, the, the wall, the space in between. It's the trim around the door. But you just want to make sure when you're hanging doors that you have a helper because it can be hard to install by yourself uh, and that you're making sure that it's square and plumb. And you do that by using little shims and, you know, making sure that everything's right. But I would definitely, definitely, definitely do that again. And um, there's a lot to be said about some old doors. You can get great deals on old doors at flea markets. Uh, I've found a lot at flea markets, actually. And they have lots and lots of character, especially interior doors, for sure. Um, so moral to the story, we've done a lot of DIYs. There are only a few things that I just, I wouldn't do again that I have DIY. The floors were definitely one that came to mind that was just, was so intense. The only other project that I can think of that was so intense in terms of the work, but I would 100% do again, would be restoring our 112-year-old now windows. So those original windows that I reimagined back into the house in some way I wanted to keep and they had layers and layers and layers of paint on them and some of the glass was broken and we saved a lot, a lot of money by using them. We saved a lot of money by restoring them ourselves and bring, you know, sanding them down and even installing new glass. It was going to cost me, I remember getting a quote, it was going to cost $100 a pane and we have windows that have two two panes in the top, two panes in the bottom, so four panes. So it was going to be $400 a window for them just to install eighth-inch glass that you can buy for like 10 bucks. So it's like <laughs> doing all of that work, I would 100% do again when that was a big project. But I feel like the big one that comes to mind was that restoring those floors. The more I look back on it, it just, it, it really wasn't worth the the time and energy and frustration and pain and soreness. And, um, I commend the, the men, <laughs> I commend the people that come out and do that work because it was really intense, but overall, would I buy another property to DIY renovate and do this all again? hundred percent. I feel so empowered by doing 
DIYs in general, but I feel more empowered doing DIYs that have a purpose. And I don't like just random projects that don't have a place to go or a meaning. I like things that I'm going to DIY this and it's going to be there and it's going to look good there and I'm going to have it forever and I'm going to do it really well and it's going to stand the test of time and it's going to be really good quality. Those are the DIYs that I live for. And so this project of a cottage renovation has just been such a an amazing expression of creativity, but also quality of work. And I just, I could not be more happy. Like I just, I'm on cloud, I am on cloud nine with this cottage renovation. Um, and now I can see myself flipping homes in the future and doing the same thing, but maybe I wouldn't, you know, do it quite as intensely as it, it has taken a lot out of me. And DIYing a house is, is no joke. But if you have ever done it before, it is incredibly empowering. So I hope this helped you guys know or see what I've learned and what I would and wouldn't do again in terms of DIYs and, and the work that goes into them. And, and I'm so glad that I have the experience of doing them firsthand, but also the experience of knowing what I would and wouldn't do again. <laughs> You know, like being here now and not having, I would not do the floors again. I can't stress that enough. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please continue to let us know in the comments on the YouTube channel because we are filming this for YouTube as well. Keep commenting. Keep letting me know what you want to hear. Uh, we're going to be doing some fun, fun episodes coming up that I have planned. But I always, 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 the the door is always opened. Please, Kinsley's getting excited now. <laughs> She's like doing that bark under her breath. The door is always open. Please let me know what you guys want to hear. I have enjoyed doing this podcast so much. So I hope you guys are enjoying the episodes. And if you've missed any of the episodes so far, you can, of course, catch up on wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube as well. I will see you guys in two Wednesdays. Until then, I hope you have a great two weeks and I will see you as well on all the channels, on all the socials. Make sure that you're subscribed. You hit the plus sign. I think it is when if you're listening to the podcast uh, on the go or subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know when I upload. And I will see you guys really soon. You say bye, Kinsley. You say bye.